On November 13, 2022, four University of Idaho students, Ethan Chaitman, Zana Kernodal, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonzalez, were mysteriously stabbed to death in the middle of the night in a rental home near the Moscow, Idaho campus. I'm Jelsey May, and this is Exhibit May. On Saturday, November 12th, 2022, best friends Maddie Mogan and Kaylee Gonzalez, both 21 years old, were putting on makeup and getting ready for a fun night out in Moscow, Idaho. The two had been inseparable since sixth grade and attended the University of Idaho together where they lived in an off-campus house with three other girls, 20-year-old Zana Kernodal and 21-year-old Dylan Mortensen and Bethany Funk. The large gray house had six bedrooms and three bathrooms and was located at the intersection of King and Queens Road at 1122 King Road. The house buzzed with nonstop energy, boasting a vibrant blend of country and trap music, echoing laughter, and was known for their epic parties, a reputation they evidently maintained according to their neighbors' reports. The kitchen accessed through a sliding door at the back showcased a scene of daily life a used colander, unwashed cereal bowls, a half-finished coffee, and a table set up for beer pong, while the living room boasted a neon sign that read, Good Vibes. While Kaylee still considered this place her home, she had recently relocated to Texas, making a brief return to Moscow on a last-minute trip to reveal her latest purchase to her best friend, a stylish pre-owned gray Range Rover she had purchased for herself and was excited to use it for her upcoming role at a marketing firm in Austin, scheduled to begin in February. Down a narrow pathway and across a field, their beloved housemate Zana strolled into a party at the vibrant blue Sigma Chi frat house accompanied by her first ever boyfriend, 20-year-old Ethan Chapman and roommate Bethany Funk. Hailing from Avondale, Arizona, Zana was a junior pursuing a major in marketing and was known to be a positive, funny, and lighthearted person who everyone around her loved. Ethan was one of triplets alongside his sister Maisie and brother Hunter Chapman. He was a freshman majoring in recreation and spent his spare time as a tulip farmer and was described as kind, hilarious, fun, and 100% pure. They were simply a couple of kids madly in love, a relationship Bethany would later say had even made her believe in love. Around 10 p.m., Kaylee and Maddie casually entered the corner club, greeted by flat-screen TVs airing ESPN on mute. It was a packed night with football fans drowning their sorrows in hefty 30-ounce beverages known as tub cups after the Idaho Vandals lost against UC Davis. Following a few hours of drinking and enjoying themselves, the girls were seen leaving the bar visibly intoxicated at 1.32 a.m. Unfazed by the cold temperature, Kaylee sported ripped denim jeans paired with a gray zip-up hoodie, while Maddie opted for jeans, a white crop top, and layered it with an oversized black jacket. They stumbled a short distance down the road to the grub truck, arriving at 1.40am where the girls ordered some late-night food. 
Captured on camera, the two were seen waiting in line and Maddie eagerly rushed over to exchange a warm hug with someone she recognized. Struggling to articulate carbonara, Kaylee swayed on her feet while placing their order. After receiving their food, they opted to book a ride home despite being less than a mile away. The freezing weather and the prospect of navigating dimly lit stretches of road convinced them that it was a smart decision. During their Uber ride, they engaged in conversation with their familiar driver, someone they'd encountered before due to the small town vibe. At 1.56 a.m., the pair exited the vehicle and trudged up their driveway. The yard was covered with crumpled cans of Keystone beer and white claw packaging, a common sight after their numerous gatherings where strangers freely came and went from the house. A numeric lock secured the front door, the passcode shared among the five housemates and their extensive circle of friends. Zana and Ethan arrived home shortly after while the other two roommates returned 45 minutes earlier. Within the hour, Kaylee attempted to reach her ex-boyfriend, Jack Dickwar, making seven consecutive calls. The relationship had spanned five years stemming from their high school romance, a connection Kaylee's family believed would lead to marriage. However, three weeks earlier, she had initiated the breakup. Despite the split, she and Jack still co-parented their shared golden doodle, Murphy. On the other hand, Maddie was approaching the two-year milestone in her first serious relationship with her boyfriend, Jake Stryger. They conversed every morning and were the last people they spoke to before bed. As the night progressed, everyone gradually settled down and went to their respective bedrooms. Bethany slept on the first floor of the house in a sub-basement built into a hill. Dylan occupied a bedroom on the second floor, aligning with Zana's room where she stayed with Ethan. One floor above was Maddie's room where Kaylee joined her for the night. It's unknown who was awake, but Xana received a DoorDash order around 4 a.m. and her phone activity showed her using the TikTok app around the same time. Dylan was reported to have been asleep, only to be awoken by noises resembling Kaylee playing with Murphy from above. Shortly after, a sound resembled one of the girls saying, there's someone here. Dylan opened her bedroom door, finding nothing and returned back to bed. But after hearing cries from Xana's room, followed by a male voice saying something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you, she opened her door again, only to find nothing once more. At 4.17am, Murphy's barking echoed from the upper floor. External cameras in the neighborhood captured what seemed to be whimpering noises followed by a significantly loud thud. Upon the persistent crying, Dylan cautiously opened her door once more. Amid the darkness, she saw an athletically built man, around 5'10", dressed in all black, with their face covered by a mask except for their eyes and notably bushy eyebrows. In a state of shock, Dylan stood frozen as she watched the stranger calmly walk past her and exit the house. Afterward, she retreated into her room and locked the door.
As daylight arrived on November 13th, terrified roommates Bethany and Dylan called friends to their residence, concerned that one of the individuals on the second floor remained unresponsive. According to reports, one of the surviving roommates fainted upon encountering the distressing scene while the other made the 911 call at 11.58 a.m., though police refused to confirm who. The undisclosed roommate struggled to speak coherently to the operator, leading the dispatcher to categorize a call under unconscious person based on the fragmented information they could decipher. Upon the arrival of police and first responders, they encountered the aftermath of the strange noises and voices heard during the night. Within the kitchen, dark red liquid dripped down the cabinets from one of the third floor bedrooms. Ethan and Zana lay dead while on the outer surface of Zana's bedroom wall, more of the red liquid streaked down the concrete base. Upstairs, Maddie and Kaylee were found dead lying next to each other sprawled in bed. A knife sheath bearing a US Marine Corps logo was also discovered on the bed next to Maddie. Each of the four victims was stabbed to death, with several displaying multiple defensive wounds, including Zana, whose fingers were nearly severed off from grabbing the knife and repeatedly fighting back. Kaylee's dog Murphy was found unharmed in another room where the crimes had not been committed. Investigators described it as the most harrowing crime scene they had ever encountered. The killer attacked Maddie first, then moved on to Kaylee. There's evidence to show that she awakened and tried to get out of that situation. They say she cried out, and her wounds show she fought for her life. The way the bed was set up is what- She was trapped. She was trapped. Zana also fought back. According to her father, she had severe defensive wounds. She went down fighting. I believe so. It's upsetting to think about. She was always a strong, very strong person. Law enforcement promptly analyzed surveillance footage, uncovering a suspicious white Hyundai Elantra that circled the victim's house three times before entering the area for a fourth time at 4.04 a.m. and parking their car. Shortly after, the car was seen racing away from the crime scene. On November 29th, the Moscow police had requested authorities to be on the lookout for the suspect's white Elantra. Police are now searching for a white Hyundai Elantra just like this one on your screen. Moscow PD says it was in the immediate area of that home where the four University of Idaho students were murdered early in the morning on November the 13th. Investigators believe that whoever was inside of that car may have critical information to this investigation. Again, police say that the car is a white Hyundai Elantra, with the model year between 2011 and 2013. Now, they do not have a license plate number, but if you have any information, please call the police. They're still trying to figure this out. That same day, a police officer at Washington State University searched vehicles fitting the description and discovered one parked in a lot at an apartment complex registered under a 28-year-old man named Brian Koberger. University of Idaho quadruple murder suspect Brian Koberger allegedly posted chilling messages in an online forum years ago saying he had crazy thoughts and delusions of grandeur. Between November of 2009 and February 2012, while Koberger was a teenager, he allegedly made 118 posts 
according to the New York Times. And in one of them, he said he felt no emotion and said, quote, I can say and do whatever I want with little remorse. Brian Koberger followed both Kaylee and Maddie on Instagram, but Koberger liked every one of Maddie's photos compared to liking just a couple of the ones on Kaylee's account. Two weeks before the slayings of four University of Idaho students, the man now accused of killing them, sent a series of messages to one of the victims on Instagram, an account that authorities believe belonged to the killer, accused killer, sent a greeting to one of the female victims, the source says. When he didn't get a reply, he sent several more messages to her. He slid into one of the girls DMs several times, but she didn't respond. Basically, it was just him saying, hey, how are you? But he did it again and again. Brian Christopher Koberger was born on November 21st, 1994, and was known to be quite unusual. During middle school, he wanted so badly to be popular, instead he earned a reputation for being creepy and fixated on girls beyond his reach. His intense gaze made most classmates uncomfortable, causing one to mention having a weird feeling in their stomach every time they saw him. Starting off significantly overweight, Brian turned to boxing and opted a strict animal-free diet to shed the extra pounds. However, as he slimmed down, his demeanor shifted, growing increasingly harsh. Even when things were going well, he shifted between being unemotional and exploding with rage, with rejection being the real catalyst for his aggressive behavior. Brian attended school within the Pleasant Valley District, where his mother Marianne worked as a teacher's aide and his father Michael held a job as a maintenance worker. The family struggled financially, reaching a point where they only had $49.77 in savings. Around the age of 15, during the family's second bankruptcy filing, Brian began using heroin. Although he eventually recovered from addiction, people speculated that opioids might have suppressed his inner struggles. After graduating high school in 2013, Brian returned to Pleasant Valley High to work as a security guard. In 2018, he completed his studies at Northampton Community College, graduating with a psychology degree. By 2020, he had enrolled in DeSalle's University, a Catholic institution, where he pursued studies under Dr. Catherine Ramslin, known for her expertise in serial killers and authorship of books like How to Catch a Killer and The Mind of a Murderer. Brian appeared to excel at DeSalle's, displaying a deep fascination with mass murderers and the intricacies of crime scenes. In May 2022, he received his diploma. Several months later, Brian began studying in Pullman, Washington, aiming for a PhD in criminology at Washington State University. While working as a teaching assistant, he was known for being a strict grader, often giving lengthy, unwanted criticism by filling students' papers with handwritten notes. He earned a reputation for his arrogance, problematic attitude, and a keenness to display intellectual dominance, especially over women. On November 30th, while grieving families and classmates gathered at the University of Idaho for a candlelight vigil, Ryan appeared notably more talkative, upbeat, and at ease. His students began receiving improved grades and less critical feedback. He also made changes like obtaining a new license plate for his car and getting a fresh haircut, and he was seen wearing gloves while grocery shopping. 
Law enforcement sources told CNN that the Hyundai Elantra that Koberger was driving was cleaned from top to bottom by the suspect. During surveillance of his parents in Pennsylvania home and Koberger's movements, sources told the media outlet that the 28-year-old doctoral student was seen wearing surgical gloves. Investigators also got search warrants for cell phone records. They found his phone didn't ping towers near the King Road house. Investigators believe he turned his phone off, but then it pinged on its way back to Moscow after the murders. Those phone records also match the movements of the Hyundai Elantra. Investigators obtained phone records indicating that on the night of the killings, Brian's phone stopped connecting to the cellular network at 2.47 a.m. while he was in Pullman near the Washington State campus. At 4.48 a.m., the phone reconnected south of Moscow, close to the crime scene, following a path back to Pullman. Later that morning, around 9 a.m., Brian's phone was once again back in Moscow near the crime scene. The phone's records also showed it had been near the house on 12 different occasions in the months leading up to the murders. Some stunning new details have emerged in the Idaho college student killings. New documents just unsealed show that prosecutors say DNA left on a knife sheath was used to link Brian Koberger to the murders. And one of the surviving roommates came face to face with him that night. Police believe Brian Koberger was a sophisticated killer using his advanced knowledge of criminology to try and outsmart investigators but the court documents released today say he made a monumental blunder, leaving that knife sheath next to one of the victims. Police say forensics on that sheath, combined with cell phone and vehicle records, all point to Koberger as the killer. 28-year-old PhD student Brian Koberger will have to fight his murder case from behind bars for now. At his first court appearance, Idaho prosecutors argued he was a flight risk because police found him 3,000 miles away from the murder scene at his parents' home in Pennsylvania. It turns out that house is where critical DNA evidence was harvested from the trash. According to this unsealed affidavit of probable cause, first, an Idaho lab located a single source of male DNA left on the button snap of a knife sheath next to one of the stabbing victims. Then, Pennsylvania agents recovered that trash from Koberger's family residence, DNA from the trash, and DNA from the knife sheath identified a male who could not be excluded as the biological father of Koberger. On Friday, December 30th, authorities arrested Brian Koberger with four counts of first-degree murder and one count of burglary. If convicted, he could face the death penalty. Brian Koberger was arrested in his family's Pennsylvania home last week. The public defender who represented him said Koberger planned to prove his innocence. He believes he's going to be exonerated. Uh, that's what he believes. Those were his words. In order to beat the case against him, Koberger will have to explain not only the DNA on that knife sheath, but also cell phone records cited in the affidavit. The maximum penalty for this offense, if you were to plead guilty or be found guilty, is death or imprisonment for life. Do you understand? Yes. During his arraignment in May 2023, the former PhD student chose not to enter a plea, prompting the judge to enter a not guilty plea on his behalf. His legal team has asserted that their client was not present at the home where the homicides took place and was driving alone on that particular night. In August, Brian waived his right to a speedy trial, postponing what was initially scheduled to commence on October 2nd indefinitely. As of today, a new trial date is yet to be determined.
Within the walls of 1122 King Road, once the happy home of Kaylee, Zanna, and Maddie, now stands in haunting silence holding the echoes of their shared memories, laughter, and dreams. It was here that they filled the walls with pinned affirmations reflecting their unity and resilience. Among them, one note conveyed, don't panic, while another stated, I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. But it was one particular note that now holds a more profound significance than ever. It read, Paradise is where I am. The circumstances that bring us here tonight, they're terrible. The hardest part, we cannot change the outcome. And I want to remind you that that's the most important message that we have for you and your families is to make sure that you spend as much time as possible with those people because time is precious and it's something you can't get back. Please continue to support all four of our families and remember, please be kind. There's only one way for this to get a little better, to heal a little bit. There's pain everywhere. Is you're just gonna have to love each other. You guys are just gonna have to hug each other. You're gonna have to be a little awkward. And you're just gonna have to share. And the only cure to pain is love. It's the only thing that's gonna heal us. That's the only thing that's gonna heal you. So all I challenge you in, in, in the next week, the next days is just go out of your way and tell someone you love them. Love the people in your room that you go back to, your apartments, your house. And that will make a difference. And that's something that they can see where they're at right now that you change your life just a little bit and you're a little bit nicer and a little bit kinder. Zanna Kernodal. Ethan Chapin. Kaylee Gonzalez. Madison Mogan. this episode, please subscribe, rate the show, and follow me on Instagram at Exhibit May Podcast. 